everyone, and welcome to The Standard Protocol. I'm your host, Matt Sutter. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode number 18. We greatly appreciate your followership on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we are in the thousands of plays now on Apple Podcasts. Your followership on SoundCloud and YouTube is still uh, very prevalent as well. So we appreciate all the clicks, the likes, the feedback. Everything has been pouring in. Uh, since episode 15 went out a few weeks ago, uh, episodes 15, 16, and 17 have have really uh, resonated with a lot of you. The number of emails, text messages, uh, some of you are now finding me on Facebook, hitting me up on uh, Messenger app. Uh, it is unbelievable the amount of support that we've gotten here in the last few weeks, and that really is what this show is all about: is is bringing you know shedding light on some of these issues that all of us know exist, but nobody really knows how to go about tackling them without making yourself a target or without um, you know becoming. Uh, the, the next problem child of your employer. So uh, we're trying to do big things. We're trying to move the needle, trying to make forward progress and, and change. And uh, the more people that we get listening to the show and sharing our, our advice and our views and, and the more people that uh, we have submitting their stories to us so we can get a better feel for what's going on out there in these workplaces, uh, the, the closer and the sooner we will be to making some change. So we appreciate everybody that's taken time to write, whether it be a text message, an email, uh, and we'll get to some of those emails here in a minute. Um, but I just want to thank you all for your followership. Keep those clicks and those likes coming because that is what's keeping the show moving forward. Uh, and we know that we are reaching uh, a much broader audience than than even I thought we would with with some of these topics. So it's all uh, it's all good stuff. And, uh, I enjoy, uh, you know, I enjoy putting myself out there every week so that, uh, we can generate some discussions. So with that, uh, let's roll into a couple of those emails. So the first email that I wanted to read comes from Sarah in Omaha, and I'm going to skip the, I'll skip the first paragraph, uh, because I don't want to out her and her company. And also because her company's not paying me to advertise for them, but, uh, she states, uh, the benefits are pretty great. There are various perks that were given throughout the year. Additionally, one thing that is big with my company is that bullying, threats, harassment, etc., are taken very seriously. It is incredible to have a company that has an internal team set to handle these situations and they are taken seriously. The company helps with family planning, domestic partner insurance. They also have various wellness programs for future planning and just to be healthier. Another perk is that there are multiple courses and trainings available, often for free, for leadership or those who want to be better in the company that they can enroll in, and it is supported. So there again, um, as we've spoken in past weeks on this topic, um, people need to feel safe and need to feel valued when they go to work every day. And in Sarah's situation, um, and I, I know Sarah personally, she uh, left a, an unhealthy environment and went into one that's extremely healthy where her her, her career development and her career success are supported. She feels valued and she's in a much better place now. So thank you for that email, Sarah. Uh, we definitely appreciate you chiming in on that one. And we had another email come in over the weekend that uh, was very well written. Uh, this person wanted to stay under the radar, so we'll go ahead and, and uh, leave them anonymous. Um, but uh, very eloquently, um, this email was written and laid out all of the issues with 
the current environment that this individual is working in and how the upper management fails to see all of the issues going on on the front lines and the people that are out there doing the heavy lifting every day. And because of that, um, there's been a mass exodus. There's been a reduction in staffing, um, which causes everyone that's still left to be, you know, to continue to work harder and put in more hours to get things done. And just the, um, I guess for lack of a better term, the snowball effect that that has on everyone uh, being tired, burned out, stressed, taking that stress home with them, and just overall um, not being in a good frame of mind when they come to work every day and, and also when they go home at the end of their shift. Um, and so those are things that that upper management, you know, we, we really need to bridge that gap as uh, middle management or, or frontline supervisors. It's really incumbent to try to bridge that gap to the folks at the top. Now, in some environments, the folks at the top just aren't willing to listen or they're so detached that they just don't see what the average uh, employee goes through on a daily basis. And that can be a very uh, difficult battle to to fight um, because, you know, you can only make somebody at the top be as engaged as they want to be. But you still have to find ways to communicate uh, the frontline employees' concerns up the, the chain of command or up the corporate ladder um, just so that it's being heard. And, and at the end of the day, if they choose to ignore it, um, you know, it, at least they're being made aware of the problems that, that the workforce is facing. Um, and and that's where, you know, you start to see uh, more of that mass exodus when, when the communication is there and it's being ignored. Uh, it's very hard to get people motivated to work for that particular employer. Um, but if they're, you know, if, if, if the if the upper uh, management or you know upper chain of command isn't aware of these problems, then they can't fix what they don't know about. So um, hopefully you have some strong people with some backbone in those middle management positions that's relaying that information to the top. Now this particular emailer that wrote in, um, I don't think that's the case. I think you have a, a case there where um, it seems as though your um, your your top tier management is uh, completely out of touch and doesn't want to hear about the problems. And in that case, you know, then, uh, you know, maybe it is time to uh, look for greener pastures or look for better options out there somewhere. Um, but again, as I've spoken before, the job market is tough right now. It's not, uh, it's not the employee's market, as some would say. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities out there, but getting in front of a, a human being and interviewing is really the difficult part because I think... I think there's just a lot of people out there with a lot of fluff on their resumes, and that tends to be what catches the attention of these employers when they're when they're out there looking for the. Uh, diamond in the rough, so to speak. So um, if you're somebody that's just been out there in the trenches your whole career, um, you know, you're you're probably one that's going to have an uphill battle when it comes to jumping ship and sliding into something else. Um, but at the end of the day, you've got to make that decision. Uh, is there light at the end of the tunnel where you're at? And can you ride out the storm? And can you, um, y- you know, can you, can you weather it for a while uh, until things get better? Or is the company just stacking the deck at the top 
to where it looks like there's really no end in sight to the the management issues and and you know then it may be time to to move on so we appreciate uh that email as well again very well written but i want to leave that person anonymous um because uh they did make a lot of good points and and a lot of things that i've seen personally and and many of you uh that have written in have have seen as well so uh the disconnect at the top can be the achilles heel of most organizations and in uh, that particular person's organization i believe that's what's going on so with that we'll move on to our first topic of the day the promotional process and how that's being done in your corporation or your area of employment um, are they fair and equitable? Are they being done in a manner in which you truly go in and it's based on qualifications, your interview skills, the things that you've done in your career that have prepared you for said position? Are, are those truly uh, how the processes are taking place? Are they? Is there a testing process or a way to really definitively prove who the best person is and the most qualified fit for that position? Or is it based on a simple interview and whoever talks the best game on that particular day gets the position regardless of their qualifications and regardless of what they've done in their careers to prepare them for that role? Now, I will say coming from the public sector, um, there are not many uh, promotional process uh, steps that I participated in that I did not feel like were rigged from the get-go. I felt, I, you know, I, over the years, I saw a number of people getting into positions that they weren't qualified for. We knew they weren't going to be the best leaders in those roles, but somehow they managed to come in and outscore somebody in interviews. And I know having sat on those interview panels, there's a lot of fudging of the numbers that goes on. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that happen behind closed doors after those interviews take place that I think uh, benefited a certain few, uh, but were not necessarily fair and equitable for the masses. So, um, and if anybody from you know my old organization wants to chime in on that, uh, you know, feel free hit us up at the the email inbox standard protocol podcast at gmail.com. But uh, we've seen time and time again where the most qualified individual didn't always get the job. And I can't imagine that it's happening that way in corporate America. I can't imagine that that's normal because I would think that lawsuits would be flying all over the place if every employer was was treating it that way. Um, again, you know, when you when you come from an organization that is that where the leadership is built mainly on fear and intimidation, even if you know you're the more qualified applicant for a position, and even if you know there's no way in hell somebody beat you in an interview, but yet they get promoted and you don't, it's very hard to stand up and, and you know throw the BS flag and say, listen, I, I don't think there's any way that this person is more prepared for this position than I am. And I think that this is, you know, a, a political favoritism or, or um, just, you know, outright uh, good old boy system, uh, corrupt process. And it's very hard to speak up about that without jeopardizing your ability to promote later down the road when the next position comes around. 
So I think, uh, you know, I've seen enough of that in my career and I've seen what that does to people. And that's the part that the, the, the folks at the top don't always see is the downward spiral that that can send some of our employees into. When you come in and you know you're the best for that position and you know you've done everything possible to prepare for it and your career and your resume line up with a a specific position in a specific area and you don't get that position because uh, somebody else has a political connection or they've got more political juice than you, that can take someone's performance and really throw it into the tank. And, and, um, you know, we, we always talk about how, uh, nobody, uh, early on in their career is a, is a substandard performer. We always talk about there's all, when you, when you have a substandard performer, you can almost always trace it back to something that's happened to them in their career that derailed them and, and took their attitude and, and changed it. Most of the time in organizations now through the onboarding process, the training process, the initial selections that we make when we hire people, we pick motivated individuals. We pick people that we have, we believe that they're going to be stellar performers for us. Otherwise we wouldn't hire them. And then we take them and we onboard them and we put them through this training process and we give them all the tools they need to be successful. So what is it about them that takes them over the course of their career and turns them into a substandard performer? And oftentimes you can trace it back to a uh, a promotion they didn't get when they knew they were the most qualified for, uh, you know, a, a project that they handled that, uh, you know, either got, they got the rug pulled out from under them or the company pulled the plug on the project after they had a lot of time and hard work invested in it. Um, there's always things, these triggering events, as I call them, that, that take place that really send somebody's performance into the tank. And so um, I think that that's, uh, that's one thing that often goes overlooked with the good old boy system type of promotions is that you have people out there that are working harder than anybody at what they do. And they're all about the, the company or they're all about the organization. They are accessible to their people 24-7. They're always out there making good decisions and doing the right thing. And when they get passed over for a promotion, that they are much more qualified for than somebody else that can be very devastating to their career. And I've, I have yet to figure out whether, um, the folks at the top of, of some of these organizations just don't see that. And they don't think that deep about some of these things, or if they're just that blind to the optics of, of the good old boy system and the network of promotions that, that some of these organizations are using. But, um, you know, the frontline, the frontline folks see it, they do, and, and they talk about it and, it gets a lot of attention. And so if, if anybody at the top thinks that, um, passing someone over for a promotion who, who we know is qualified for the position, if it only affects that one person, they're wrong. It affects that one person and everyone around them because everybody sees that. And that can take, that can take people that weren't even involved in the promotional process. And that can, that can turn them, you know, that can turn their attitude sour and make it such that they, you know, they, they see things differently now. And, and it doesn't matter how hard you work or, or how much you do. Uh, if you're not politically connected, you're not going to get promoted. And therefore, uh, why would I, why would I do anything other than the bare minimum every day when I come to work? It's, it's all about getting by and surviving at that point. So those things can be devastating to your frontline workforce. 
if you're in a management position, if you're uh, if you're involved in those promotional processes, when you see the the rigging of them taking place, as uh, many of us have, uh, you've got to take a step back and voice your opinion and say, you know, uh, candidate A is not as qualified as candidate B, and therefore we need to promote candidate B over candidate A. And uh, you've really got to take a stand on that because if you don't, um, it's, it's like I say, it's devastating for the people you're passing over and it's devastating for uh, your entire workforce because they're hip to the game. They know that things are rigged going in. And, you know, I will, I'll give you an example from uh, my old organization. We had one promotional process where um, the, the least qualified, absolute least qualified of four candidates got the promotion and come to find out after the fact, uh, there was only one person in the, in the process that knew who was going to be on the panel before they went into interview. And trust me, if, if, if I've got time to research the people I'm going to be interviewing in front of and tailor my approach to them and, and my audience there on that panel, uh, absolutely. I can, I can come up with a way to pull off, a, a, an interview that will resonate with, with that particular panel. And the other three candidates didn't have that knowledge. And so they were handicapped from the beginning. And that's, I mean, that, that actually happened. And, um, again, the other three candidates that found out about it later on, as angry as they were, they couldn't, you know, they, they didn't feel like they were in a position to throw the red flag and, 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 and really, uh, challenge the outcome of that promotional process, but, um, you know, that everybody in the agency saw it and everybody knew, uh, that it wasn't right. And, and the, you know, again, the, the folks at the top didn't care about the optics of it. They, they got what they wanted. They got who they, who they wanted into that position. So those types of things have devastating effects on your organization as a whole. So if you're in a man, a management position, you've got to ensure the fairness and the equity in the promotional process. And also from a civil liability, uh, pat, uh, aspect. You, you've got to, you, you're setting yourself up for lawsuits, even though people often don't sue on these things, especially if they've got long careers ahead of them, um, that you, you are setting yourself up to be embarrassed in front of a judge or jury if it comes to, um, you know, civil litigation and, and not to mention, you know, the monetary payout and, and settlement that's going to be coming from that. So, Let's make sure we're ensuring fair and equitable processes out there uh, to get people promoted and that we're getting the most qualified and best leaders in these positions. And you, you'll you be shocked if you do that, how that alleviates a lot of your frontline problems and a lot of your uh, burnout of your frontline employees. So with that, we'll move on to the next topic of the day. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, confirmation bias. And for, for many of you that aren't familiar with that term, uh, the basically, and, and I'll paraphrase the definition here, confirm, confirmation bias is the tendency to search for, interpret, favor, and recall information in a way that confirms or supports one's prior beliefs or values. People display this bias, this bias when they select information that supports their views, ignoring contrary information, or when they interpret ambiguous evidence as supporting their existing attitude. So basically what that means is when you go to your boss and you present a case on why there is a problem and how, what you're going to do to solve it. 
If they immediately dismiss you, that can be an indication of confirmation bias because they either don't like you and your solutions or they don't want to see you succeed at something. And you can come in with the best possible answer and the best possible solution to a problem. And they are going to brush over it because it doesn't fit their preconceived bias about you or it doesn't show um, it, it doesn't support another employee that they may like better than you. And so we have seen so much of that in the law enforcement industry where, uh, you know, leaders, they, they get stuck in this rut where they, they surround themselves with people that are only like-minded like they are. And so they will not, uh, you know, they don't want to hear any opposing views. They don't want to hear any information that doesn't support what they already believe is right. And so you can come in with all this, all the statistics and the data that show that something is failing, but if they truly believe in it, they're going to ignore all the facts and all the critical information, and they're going to keep pushing forward in a direction that many of us that aren't as biased know isn't working. So on that, you know, again, I talked about earlier about how we see that in promotional process. The, you know, you can come in and if if they feel like you're the right guy for the job, you can come in and say anything and they're going to support you at the end of the day. They're going to promote you. I think we see a lot of that in promotional processes across the, the you know, across the certainly the law enforcement industry. But I know it's I know it exists in uh, other workplaces and other walks of life. But I think where that gets dangerous is when they become so tunnel visioned on what supports their bias and what supports what they truly believe. When that that's when things become dangerous because you can have an outlier really articulating a problem and really articulating why it's going to be bad for business if we continue to go down a certain path. And there is almost nothing you can do to break that cycle to get through when someone is stuck in that confirmation bias mode. And so that's where I see a lot of mistakes being made in a lot of places and and not just the law enforcement arena, but just in corporations as well. I mean, very, very seldom do you see a corporation take a step back and go, yeah, we weren't headed in the right direction there. We're going to reverse course and do something different. Um, You know, I just read an article uh, earlier today on uh, the amount of theft that's taking place now in retail stores because of the self-checkout lanes, because people aren't scanning every item. They're only scanning every other item or they're scanning, uh, you know, the, the lower priced item twice as opposed to the lower price one once and the higher price one once. And so there's so much theft and so much loss occurring with some of these major companies that, um, they're, you know, they're, they're having to account for, uh, you know, a lot of stuff that would have been alleviated had you just left, had you just paid the, the, the person at the check stand to do it for you. Um, because you know, that person, they don't have any skin in the game. They're going to scan every item properly. Um, but the, even, even with the uptick in, in corporate loss that, that these self checkouts are creating, the, these companies are still pushing forward and installing more of them at every store that you go to. And they're, they usually have few and few less actual physical people working at the checkout counters 
And so even though they know it's not that's the self-checkout thing's not moving down the right path, they're still all in on it and they're still pushing forward. So that's another area where confirmation bias, um, they, they've got an opinion that they think this is going to be the future of shopping and it's creating a lot of problems for them that they don't have answers to. Uh, because anytime you, anytime you pay the customer to determine how much they want to pay or, or how much they're going to ring things up, uh, obviously you're going to have people exploiting that system. Uh, and so, you know, that's just one of those things where, um, it really shows that bias and how they, they're ignoring all of the real data that shows that that's bad for their business, but they're continuing down that path anyway. And I think you, you see it in the private sector, public sector, little decisions like that are all over the place and people not being able to take a step back and go, yeah, I was leaning towards that, but now that we've put it in place and we've tried it, it's not working. We're going to re reverse course. We're going to fix that. You don't see a lot of leadership out there that's willing to step up to the plate and admit that they were wrong. So um, for those of you that are the millennials, Gen Xers out there listening to the podcast, when you find yourself in those leadership roles, um, and, and even if you're still a frontline worker, you know, think about that when you have a, when you have management, if, if you truly have management that comes in and says, Hey guys, we tried this and it didn't work and we're going to stop doing it and do something different. That's actually pretty commendable. And you don't see that a lot anymore in today's workforce, but millennials, um, you know, take some ownership in what you do, take some, take some, uh, you know, if you, if you put something in play and it doesn't work, don't be afraid to stop it, reverse course and fix it. Um, it's easier to do that than to wait till it becomes a full blown problem. And, uh, by then, you know, it, it can be, it can be too late to make change at that point. So don't be afraid to admit when you're wrong. Um, but you know, avoid getting into that mode of that confirmation bias where you're, you're tunnel vision on one outcome and you think you can steer everything in that direction. And when you find out you can't, um, you know, don't just continue to push forward, take time to, to back up a step or two and, and regroup with everyone. So, um, with that, I want to close out that topic for the day and we are up against a time constraint again. So we only got to a couple topics this week, but episode 18, we appreciate you tuning in and we will see you next week with episode 19. And if you have any topics in the meantime that you want to hear us cover, uh, feel free to shoot those in standard protocol podcast at gmail.com. And we will be, uh, available to you on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Please continue to follow us and keep listening. We will be here for you to answer your questions, to guide you through these times. And with that, have a great week. We will catch you on the next one and stay safe out there. Thanks. <laughs>